The stories in this book have been told and retold, cherished and revered by literally billions of people over thousands of years. People have devoted their entire lives to studying this book. There are hundreds of thousands of commentaries on it. And many people believe that this book had to have been written by God. The Torah, what's so special about it? Why is it so mesmerizing? And how has it managed to capture the human imagination for millennia? I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at Ikar in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. This is a podcast about the best book ever, by which we mean the Torah, but it's actually misleading to call the Torah a book. It's misleading in at least a couple of ways. First of all, we, we use the word Torah to, to mean the Torah, but also to refer to a much larger conversation that includes the Talmud and the other books of the Hebrew Bible and all the commentaries on all of the above. So Torah is really a whole discourse, much vaster than any one book. And then on the other hand, even when we say the Torah, the specific book that we call the Torah, we're really talking about not one, but five books, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all of which, tradition tells us, were given to us by Moses, who operated on a higher level than any of the other prophets. Moses was the mouthpiece of God. So these five books, by tradition, are on a higher level, more divine, more direct prophecy than any of our other sacred writings. But we've arrived at the final book of the Torah, Deuteronomy, or Dvarim, and as we begin to read through it, after moving through the first four books, we can't help but feel like something has changed. First of all, Moses is talking a lot. I mean, of course, Moses isn't just a prophet, he's also one of the main characters in the Torah, so sure, we're inevitably going to hear from him, but we've definitely never seen him this verbose. In fact, the Hebrew name of the book is Dvarim, which means words, and the book's opening line makes it clear that it's specifically Moses's words that we're going to be hearing. Elah Dvarim, these are the words that Moses spoke, Asher Diber Moshe, to all of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. What follows for the next 33 chapters is Moses retelling the story of the journey so far, Moses adding new laws, Moses giving blessings, Moses reciting poetry, and maybe most of all, Moses rebuking the people for their miserable behavior the whole time he's been their leader. He's had to deal with constant complaining and rebellion, and now he finally gets a chance to unload his frustrations, and he doesn't hold back. So Moses has more than just a lot to say, he's got a whole new attitude. But the most striking change, linguistically, is simply that this is all delivered in the first person. I said to you, you replied to me, I approved the plan, I sent messengers, I pleaded with God, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. 
gone is the passive voice of the narrator, humbly transcribing God's message, speaking of himself in the third person, like just another character in a larger story. Deuteronomy is made up of Moses' words, and it's Moses' story to tell. So what has happened? When did Moses get so bold? And is he allowed to just grab the mic like this? We're still in God's Torah here, aren't we? Well, that's a good question, actually. And a lot of the commentators wonder how to make sense of the more prominent voice of Moses in Deuteronomy. Is this last book of the Torah somehow a little more Moses, and therefore a little less godly? The Dubner Magid, Rabbi Yaakov Krantz, a favorite student of the illustrious 18th century Lithuanian genius, the Vilna Gaon. Uh, the Dubner Magid apparently asked his teacher, the Vilna Gaon, the, the same question. And he shares the answer that he got in his book, Ohel Yaakov. Vihine she'alti et pi morivarabi. I asked my teacher and my rabbi, the brilliant and pious Rabbi Eliyahu of Vilna, Mahavdale, what is the difference between the Holy Torah and Deuteronomy? And he said to me that the first four books were heard as God's voice, coming up, as it were, from Moses' throat, Derech Grono Shel Moshe. Not so with Deuteronomy in which Israel heard the words of this book just like they heard later prophets who came after Moses. Now, in the world of Jewish theology, that is radical stuff, folks. It's a kind of division that we might expect from an academic historian of the Bible, explaining that Deuteronomy came later, or had a different author than the rest of the Torah, but for the most famous rabbinic scholar of the 18th century to say that Deuteronomy is not quite as godly as the rest of the Torah, well, that sounds scandalous. In fact, did he ever really say it? He never mentions this theory in his own books. And this is only an anecdote buried in an introduction to another book, so maybe we can't take it all that seriously. But then again, we don't really need the authority of the Vilna Gaon to make this claim. Because it, it turns out that the earliest source for this theory is none other than the most authoritative Jewish texts other than the Torah, the Talmud itself. In Masechet Megillah, we're taught, The curses in Leviticus have Israel addressed in the plural, and Moses said them on behalf of the Almighty. Moshe mi amran. But in the curses in Deuteronomy, Israel are dressed in, in the singular, and Moses said them on his own. Moshe mi pi atzmo amran. Okay, now that's in the Talmud. So I guess it's settled. And we've had the tradition all wrong. There may be five books of the Torah, but it, it looks like four of them were written by God, and the last one was Moses' original composition. Now, Wait a minute, that can't be. Because elsewhere in the Talmud, the rabbis state very emphatically that no, the whole Torah is divine, and that anyone who claims otherwise is a full-blown heretic. 
So this is also from the Talmud, from Masechet Sanhedrin. It says in the book of Numbers, For he has degraded the word of the Eternal. This refers to one who says that the Torah is not from heaven. And even if they assert that the whole Torah is from heaven, except for this one particular verse, which was not said by God, but that Moses said on his own. Same phrase there, Moshe mipi atzmo. Then, if someone says this, they are included in the category of one who has disgraced the word of the Eternal. Okay, so not only is it forbidden to say that the book of Deuteronomy is a little different than the rest, you can't even say that one line of it was by Moses. Well, so what is it? Is Deuteronomy the Torah or not? Is it written by God or by Moses? How do we reconcile this Talmudic contradiction? So there are a lot of attempts by the commentators over the years to find some way of explaining the stylistic difference between Deuteronomy and the rest of the Torah, but to still preserve the idea of the five books of the Torah, the five equally divine books of the Torah. One of the most sophisticated attempts comes from Don Yitzchak Abarbanel, in fact, who is the, the great medieval commentator and Portuguese statesman whom we looked at in depth last week. And he tries to resolve the Deuteronomy dilemma by suggesting that Moses did say all these things, all of these words on his own, at first. And then God decided to have them written into the Torah, to incorporate Moses' own great speech into the larger whole of the Torah. And that's how Deuteronomy can be both made up of Moses' own words and also carry the status of the word of God. So that's a pretty elegant solution. But I myself am especially drawn to a, a more lyrical answer that I think can be teased out of an incredible piece of Midrash from Dvarim Rabbah. The Midrash appears here at the opening of our Parsha. These are the words that Moses spoke. But it's playing off of another scene way back in Exodus, when God first calls on Moses to go back to Pharaoh and lead the people, and Moses tries to get out of it. And this is what Moses says to God. Please, my Lord, I am not a man of words. Lo ish dvarim anochi. Never before and not now that you have spoken to your servant. Ki anochi. Because I am slow of speech and I have a heavy tongue. He was not, he says, a man of words. And indeed, many commentators understand this to mean that Moshe had a speech impediment. Okay, now listen to this gorgeous opening to the Midrash. Amar Kadesh Baruch Hu re'eh l'shona shel Torah ma chaviva shemarapeh et halashon. The Holy Blessed One said, look at how precious the language of Torah is, for it heals the tongue. For behold, Moses before he received Torah, said, I am not a man of words, Dvarim. But when he received the Torah, His tongue was healed, 
and he began to speak words. And where do we see this? From what we read in our Parsha. And these are the words, Elahadvarim, that Moses spoke. Asher Diber Moshe. Moses has become a man of words. The Torah has healed him. Now, this has a physical manifestation in the, in the imagery of our Midrash. His tongue begins to work. But I think it means more than that. Because, after all, he's been speaking all along. It's not as if he literally couldn't talk. He's become a man of words because he now knows how to speak the language of Torah. He knows what to say, how to communicate ideas. By serving as the mouthpiece of God and speaking out the words of the Torah for four straight books, Moses has learned what it means to speak with power and conviction. The Torah has been inside of him, and it has changed him. And that's why the Midrash connects the words, Dvarim, in Exodus with the words, Dvarim, in Deuteronomy. Because the words here are the kind of words that he learned there. When he was nervous then, God's response was, I will be with your mouth. And I will show you how to speak. He learned to speak from God. He learned to speak like God. And now his own words are considered the word of God. And that's how we can say that Deuteronomy was made up of Moses' own words and still call it a part of the heavenly Torah. Because by now, there was no difference. Moses had become a living, breathing embodiment of Torah. This man with the heavy tongue, this man who was afraid they'd never listen, this man who needed his brother at his side to translate for him. This man is now the great orator, the lawgiver, and the poet. And this is how Moses begins his greatest poem, the one at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy. Hazinu hashamayim v'adabeira. Give ear, O heavens, let me speak. V'tishma ha'aretz imrefi. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let me speak, he said. And a voice that had been rumbling up inside of him for 40 years exploded forth, echoing across the universe. And the sound it made was divine. I like this interpretation of what's happening in Deuteronomy because it has implications for all of us. If Moses could become so saturated with divine speech that he began to produce it, what might happen to any of us if we really soaked ourselves in Torah? How might it transform us, empower us, teach us how to speak some truth we can't yet articulate? By reading this book again and again, year after year, we're learning to speak a language more divine, to commune with the heavens, and with the earth. So, may the words of Torah that we study heal our tongues and bring power to our speech. And then, from our own words, may more Torah be created.
Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom. And our theme song is Pitrouli by Hillel Tigue. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ecar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week.